0: Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible.
1: It's so much more Okay, so tonight, topically, we are going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 6. So here on Tuesday, we went through chapters 5 and 6, where King David now is established as the king. He was, of course, the king of the tribe of Judah for seven and a half years, while Ishabeth, the son of Saul, with the help of Abner, was the king over the 11 tribes in the north. And through various circumstances, Abner reconciled the 11 tribes to Judah and David. But then Abner was killed by Joab. Then these bad guys killed Ishabeth. And then David had to execute them. So it's pretty messy business, but that's how it is when people come to power with those kind of things. And in the end, in chapter 5, all the tribes of Judah, excuse me, all the tribes of Israel, came to David. And they said, look, the Lord was with you, and he said this about you. You're our king we're here, let's unify, and they did, and it's beautiful. So the kingdom is established, and David is now over Judah and Israel. It's come to pass. What was prophesied by the prophet Samuel some two decades before has now come to pass, and here he is. He's truly this great king from the line of Judah over the nation of Israel. As soon as he's become kings, his kingdom is established by the Lord. We're told that in chapter 5. The Philistines immediately want to go to war with him. They do. He has victory over the Philistines. And so he had to, he had to be appointed by the Lord, and they had to fight immediately for what God had called him to. And then now as things settle in, he decides that he wants to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. He has made Jerusalem the new capital of Israel. And now, of course, Jerusalem is the center of the world, and it's the center of the world to the end of the world. Jerusalem is a city that the whole human race revolves around until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. And it was David who, who did that 3,000 years ago. Joab took the city that's now known as the city of David, and there David said within the city of Jerusalem, the city of David is where he was going to have his palace and where he was going to have his reign. And so he wants to bring the Ark of the Covenant, the tabernacle, that central place of worship for Israel in the Old Testament, to Jerusalem so the people can be there and the presence of the Lord will be there with them with the Ark of the Covenant. Of course, the Ark of the Covenant is that chest with the Ten Commandments in it, the rod of Aaron and the jar of manna. And it, it has the gold bars that you carry it with. It's overlaid with gold. It has the cherub and angels. It's all described for us back in the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy. And the tribe of Levi would carry it on their shoulders, particularly the Kohathites, a subdivision of the tribe of Levi. It was their responsibility. And what happened was when David was bringing the ark to Jerusalem, they put it on a, a cart like a wagon. I'm not sure why. We get no reason explained why because the scripture is very clear. It was to be carried by the Kohathites, the Levites. But it's on the wagon. So the, the wagon had a, a bobble moment and Uzzah grabbed the wagon and he touched the ark. And he's not allowed to touch the ark. It represents the holiness of God. Just like I always say, holy God, sinful men, one meter mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus, I must be regarded as holy as those who approach me and Jesus is the one that makes us acceptable in the beloved. And you can't just show up in God's throne room and say, hey, I'm here. I'm Uzzah, and I'm just touching the Ark of the Covenant. It doesn't work like that. And so Uzzah was struck down by the Lord. The result of this was, as they would say, happy feelings gone. It was a joyful day. Happy feelings gone. Because Uzzah, Uzzah didn't just die. He was struck down by the Lord. That's a very sobering thing. And we read that the Holy Spirit tells us in the earlier part of chapter 6 that David was angry. He was angry, like, just, it, you know, like, ah, he's just angry, like certain things, you plan them a certain way in life, and they don't go the way you thought, and the Lord didn't do what you thought he would do, or he does something against you when he thought he was for you. You could be angry at the Lord, you could be angry at the people, just angry in general at the circumstances. He was angry, but then he was fearful, because he went from anger to fear, where now he's like, oh my goodness, like, now he's afraid. So two emotions we've all probably felt a lot in the last two years, right? Anger and fear, both of them. He had them. So he went home. They all went home and they took the Ark of the Covenant and put it in Obed Ezra's house. And so it's at, uh, excuse me, Obed Edom's house. And that's where they leave the Ark. So they're like, well, this is the nearest house. Like, so knock on the door. Hey, buddy, we've got the Ark of the Covenant. And Ezra was just struck down dead and party's over. So can we just park this Ark here in your house? And we'll come back when we feel like we're all not going to get struck by lightning and bring you to Jerusalem. Pretty much the background. They all go back to Jerusalem. Then we pick up our text tonight. We read in verse 12, verse 11 to cues it up, that the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. So the ark was there for three months with Obed-Edom, and his household was blessed. Now it was told, verse 12, to King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went up and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all of his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, David's ex-wife, looked through a window and saw David, King David, leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Technically, she's still his wife, I think. You know the background if you know the background. Verse 17. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, a cake of raisins. So all the people departed and went, everyone, to his own house. And that's what they did. So it was a huge party. What's interesting is a generation later, when Solomon becomes king, He has another huge party when they build the temple and they dedicate the temple and the Shekinah glory of the Lord comes. Solomon does the same thing. He has a huge party. Everybody gets food. It's a giant banqueting feast for the entire nation. He blesses them and they all go home blessed. It's an amazing event. So David did it first. A generation later, his son Solomon, when he would dedicate the temple, so you get the upgrade from tabernacle to temple, he did it too. The back part of the chapter describes that when David went home, Michael mocked him Gave him a hard time, and it got pretty heated. And it says that, therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children till the day of her death. So again, a review on Michael, is Michael is David's first wife, Saul's daughter. And is the first woman David would have been with, and he was with her in marriage. And when Saul persecuted him, he, he had to leave Michael behind. Michael lied to her father about David and his leaving, Then Michael eventually married another man when David was on the run for that 12, 13 years where he uh, acquired a couple wives, actually. When he became king, totally, he demanded that Michael be brought to him, and whether it was out of bitterness or to weaken the house of Saul to make sure there was no funny business going on when the kings were being reconciled, we don't know for sure. But she had been married to another man, and Abner, before he was struck down by Joab, made him go, made that guy go home. So she lost her second husband and was restored to David, but one of multiple women that were his wives at this point in time. That's what we know. The rest is speculative. But we also know in the last verse here that they did not have children together, which speaks for itself that after the context of what went on this day, it was just not, that relationship was done. Pastor Chuck Smith years ago of all the studies I remember, that's the one I remember the most, it's called The Bitter End, where he talked about the bitterness in marriage when two people get like this. I n- I'll never forgot that study because he said you don't ever want to be those people. So I- I've always remembered that study from Pastor Chuck. Tonight, though, as we look at this text, what we really want to focus on is the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. Tonight, we're in here it's a very joyful night. And I don't plan these things this way, so God perfectly timed that we'd be in this text this night on our 17-year anniversary with all these props and stuff that's like you know, it's praise. It's like, it's, it's awesome. You know, like we're here. In this story, apart from Michael as the negative on the back end, the front end is very positive. So Obed-Edom, he has the Ark of the Covenant. Now, who knows what he thought when, they, you know, the king knocks on your door and says, King, can we park this in your driveway kind of a thing? Who knows what he thought? But he's got the Ark. And we're told he was blessed twice. Now, we don't know how he's blessed, but in an, in an agriculture society, it's probably going to be by increase. Good health. The grapes got bigger. The olive tree had more olives. Like, that kind of a thing. The cows suddenly look better fed, and they're having calves everywhere. Like, that's wealth in that agri-society. And it says he was blessed. Maybe he had more joy of the Lord, like Deuteronomy 6, when he rose up and just praised the Lord. And his kids praised the Lord. And it's like they got a double portion over their house, like we just prayed for for our pastors and deacons. He was blessed. And we're reminded that our God's a blessing God. And when we go through hard times personally, we often forget that God does want to bless us. And even the buffetings produce blessings for those who have faith and trust in him. Everything has a good end in the, the plans of the Lord, the life of Job and all of his hardship. We're told in the New Testament that the Lord had a good end and the blessings that God brought to Job's life. We're told in Romans 8 that all things work together for good, those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We have assurance of promises through faith in Jesus Christ that the highest mountain that we ever have, the greatest experience in our life, the highest mountain where we have the faith to go for it and see the things that God does and the lowest valley where we need the faith to pull us up from it and go forward from heartache, pain, disappointment, and these sorts of things that no matter how high we are how low we are, Psalm 139 says the Lord is higher and he's lower. And David wrote that song. And faith is the of things hoped for. The event's not yet seen. So our faith for the blessings of God, they see the eternal blessings, looking into Jesus, the author, and finisher of faith. And so we're able to step out in faith and, and go for it and do great things and attempt great things. As, as, you know, William Carey, the father of modern mission said, attempt great things for God, expect great things from God. And that's the kind of faith God rewards. Like I've been saying quite often in recent years, I don't want to shortchange the Lord. There are things that God's going to do anyways, But he puts it on us to believe him, to have a believing faith, to go for it. And I don't want to limit God by having a small vision. I want to have a big vision because we serve a big God. And I want to have a big vision for the kingdom advancing in my life, in my character, in my home, his blessings advancing in my character and who I am and how I carry myself to your benefit in the human race. I want to see his blessings upon my marriage, upon my children and my children's children. I want to see his blessings upon my cavalier dogs and my guinea pig. Like my cat, like I pray his blessings over everything. I want his blessings on my new neighbors and my old neighbors and my neighborhood. Our God's a blessing God. And for people of faith in Jesus Christ, whether we're on the mountaintop taking steps of faith or whether we're going through deep, difficult, hard times where we want to weep when we come to the house of the Lord, and I know what that's like. Most of us do by now. Our faith is going to bring us through it. Like Paul said, I've been perplexed beyond despair, but I know that... Um, He's been with us, and the God of all comfort has comforted us so we can comfort others, and that's where faith comes in. So the the highest mountaintop and the deepest valley, the faith goes above it, and the faith goes beneath it with Jesus by our side. Our God's a blessing God, and we believe those blessings when it's all going good. Sometimes we doubt those blessings when it's all going bad, and we get beat up by life. But note tonight in this text, this whole text begins with, God bless Obed-Edom. The presence of the Lord in the Ark of the Covenant brought blessings to his house. The blessings were so profound and absolute that we're told it twice in verse 11 and 12. And it says that the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belonged to him. See, if all who we are belongs to the Lord, our health, our finances, our stewardship, our children, our children's children, our animals, if our vehicles our employment. If all that we are truly belongs to the Lord, then we're not only inviting him to be Lord over it all, we're inviting him to bless it all. So on the great day, when we're prospering like Abraham at his zenith, on the worst day, like Job, when you lose it all in one day, we we know that our God is a blessing God. And we can say at the top of the mountain, you know, the Lord says, look at the north, south, east, and west, Abraham, all of it's yours. Or like you're Job and you've lost everything. You say to your wife, we've accepted blessings. Can we not accept adversity? There's a blessing there." Our God's a blessing God. Whether we feel like we're being blessed or not, whether it seems like we're being blessed or not in the temporal things of time, space and matter, we can be sure that all things for children of faith in Jesus are blessings for all eternity. Some investments, you see their performance early on with an investment, a property or cryptocurrency or stocks and anything like that. Treasury bonds, like you can see their performance but some like you just don't really know it's just there and you just don't even think about it and you just never know how it's going to pay off but know this there's not one event in our life through faith in Jesus Christ when we're serving him when he has all of us that there's not a blessing over it and a blessing in it we either get better and take the blessings or we get bitter and we're a bummer Michael got bitter and she was a bummer David got better and he was a blessing and listen when you hear Obed-Edom's got the blessing you know what you need to do? Get on your horse and get over there and get some blessing. Go, go to where the blessing is. Pastor Chuck used to say, get under the spout where the glory comes out. Go get the blessing. If you see there's a blessing, why don't people go to the tent back in the days in the 70s with Pastor Chuck? Because there was a blessing. The presence, the power, the promises, the person of Christ was there. And it was obvious there was tongues of fire on the place the music all these songs all these things people came from far and wide all over the country and all over the world to sit in that tent two miles away they came for the blessings they got in their cars in missouri and new york and vermont and kansas and they drove in their cars young people in the, in the summer of love 68 69 and they came to go get the blessings of the living god they came to get the blessings I would hope as people have come to this church for 17 years, you've come to get the blessings. That we can say like Jacob after the dream of the heavenly ladder, the Lord is in this place and anoint that rock because that's where the blessings are. Even when you wrestle with God, what do you say? I'm not letting go till you bless me. Get the blessings. Some blessings are real obvious. We want the, we want the upgrade blessings for time, space, and matter, the temporal. God's like, I know you want that. You do want that. You want that, don't you? I do. I do want that, actually. He's like, I'll tell you what you really need. to need these blessings. I'm not so sure I want those blessings. Trust me, when you stand before my throne, you'll thank me for these blessings. You want all my blessings. So high, low, mountaintop, valley, we want the blessings. And in this case, the context is just, it's the presence of the Lord. It's the blessings of the Lord. It's the increase of the Lord. It's the joy of the Lord. And David, he's got a heart for the Lord. He, he gets on his horse and he goes to get the blessings. When You he, he only have to come to David once and say, guess What? Listen, because the last time he was that way, three months before, it's like anger and fear. So, by the way, if you're still living in anger and fear, please leave it here tonight and walk out here with the blessings. No more anger and fear in the summer of 2022. Amen? Yeah, Yeah, leave your anger somewhere else and leave your fear somewhere else. I don't have time for either. And neither does King. Well, it's King Jesus does because he'll let you vent. But. He's, he's not, he's not going to leave you there. So if you, stay, if you stay in the place of anger, so many angry people, and you're going to stay in the place of fear and anxiety, so many fearful people, that's your problem. But don't blame it on the blessing God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who sent his son to die on the cross and rise from the grave. Because he's all about the blessings through faith, obedience, humility, brokenness, love, grace, mercy, kindness. Those are the blessings. David left this place in defeat three months before with fear and and anger. And now he's running back with his hustle on because he's heard that Obed-Edom has got the blessings, not just Obed-Edom, but his entire household. Wake up tomorrow morning and get after the blessings that the Lord has for you. We don't want to miss those blessings for time because the ones in time ultimately are preparing us for eternity. It's not the blessings that you can leave behind. Hopefully you can, and people will be blessed because of it, and it will advance the kingdom, but not always. But either way, it doesn't matter. What really matters is that the blessings of what's entrusted to you, when all that you have belongs to the Lord, like Obed-Edom, then all the blessings, they they translate to eternity, because they taught you in time what God was preparing you for in eternity. David did have great blessings in his life, He had great personal wealth in his life. And what's the last thing he did when he stepped into eternity except telling telling Solomon to take care of Joab and Shimei? But he also gave him all of his wealth. What did he do with all of his leftover wealth? He gave it to Solomon for what? To build the temple of God. The wealth he left behind when he stepped into eternity advanced the kingdom of God in the next generation when he was gone. That's good counsel and that's good wisdom, by the way. Because the alternative is Solomon, right? A generation later, you leave all your wealth for someone to waste it, some knucklehead kid. But David said, well, that's that's for my grandkids to worry about because I'm leaving wealth behind for my son so he can build the temple with all the wealth I've built up. Whatever happens when we're gone, happens when we're gone. You realize that, right, you older people? Whatever your grandkids choose to do when they're adults and your great-grandchildren, you might not even know their names when you're 90. My dad's 92, the great-grandkids are there. He just, he just, it just doesn't, It gets fuzzy in your 90s. You step into eternity and hopefully it goes good. But one thing you can be right here is the here and now with the Lord to get after the blessings of the transformation and the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in our life become more like Jesus. And that is the greatest blessing you can ever have. When you can wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you're more like Jesus in July of 2022 than you were in 2021, then that's the greatest blessing you can possibly have. It's good for you. You say like the song, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul when I'm more like Jesus. It's good for you, it's good for me, right? It's good for Jennifer. It's good for the grandkids, it's good for the pastors and the deacons. A spirit-filled joey makes a better thing for everybody here. Right? And it's better for me. I sleep in peace. I, 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 I fear no evil. It's not so with the wicked. They, they run when no one pursues them. And if you're worried about what the wicked are up to, just read Psalm 39 from start to finish tonight. It'll set you straight right there. What David had to say about that. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the love of your heart. That's that's David's response in the Holy Spirit to the success and the prospering of the wicked when they rage and vent. David's like, he's going to go get the blessings. He's going after the blessings. He went to go get them. He went to get the blessings. He went to get the promises. And in so doing, he's going after the joy. He's going after the gladness. He's going for all the good things. Some people never know how to rejoice in the Lord. It's hard. Some people just always see things with Jesus as half empty. I don't understand it. Because the cross, the empty tomb, and the tongues of fire on Pentecost is totally full. In fact, Jesus said that the Spirit would overflow from us like a cup of water overflowing. My son-in-law, Nate, who's the youth pastor, one time was teaching these. youth. And he goes, this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. And he poured the water and it was overflowing. I was like, oh, <laughs> works for me. It was a great illustration. That's the blessings, to be more like Jesus and be spirit-filled. And to have that joy. It says there in verse 12 that when David went, that he brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. With gladness. So tonight we rejoice in God's faithfulness to us as a church for 17 years. We rejoice in the future for the next generation of kids with all the VBS stuff up on the walls and around us it reminds us. But because our God is a blessing God and that all things work together for good and he's conformed to the image of his son, we do rejoice. No thing that ever happens in our life is meaningless or random or fate. I love to watch TV shows from other countries in foreign languages. Always foreign language is better because that's the language they speak with subtitles. You watch Russian movies or Chinese things or Korean things and French things. The French are classic when they make stuff. But so often in those societies, everything's they'll mention God sometimes, but it's usually like fate. They always say, like, fate did this and fate brought us together. And it's like, oh, fate... Fate, I've got cancer, you know, they're all fate, what do I do? And, like, and, and so, so often in these cultures that are not traditional biblical cultures like America, there, there's more of an appeal to fate and the randomness and the dumb luck of a trillion galaxies and it's all going wrong for you. But in Jesus' name, we never have to feel that way. There's a trillion galaxies and every planet and every asteroid has a name for it in God's kingdom and He knows the hair's on your head. There's no dumb luck there, there's nothing random, there's just divine design and purpose. There's just divine destiny. Like Jeremiah 1, before I formed in the womb, I knew you. For you ever conceived, I knew you. And I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Paul said to the uh, the people of Athens that God predetermined when we'd be born, where we'd be born, and who we'd be when we're born. And there's no one like you. There is no randomness to our life, and therefore there's absolute purpose and there's gladness in the journey because whatever happens is working together for good to those who are letting God do the work. We're all meant to be a work of art and we're reminded of that tonight on this anniversary service for our church. Wherever we go and all the people that have come and gone before us and those that will come in the future, like many of you have come here in the last few years, you're, we're all works of art under construction. Isn't that beautiful? Like all these colors. Like a, we're like an We're like an art gallery. We're like Catherine's a Great Museum in St. Petersburg. We're just something for all eternity that's going to be on display, what we let God do in our life when we live the life of faith and trusted in him. Because we're his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus before the world even began, to glorify him as a unique work of art. And our faith will bring, it through, bring us through it all. And therefore, we can live a life of joy and gladness because God is a blessing, God and we're looking into Jesus. We're not looking at the afflictions and the trials and what goes wrong with anger and fear and anxiety and frustration, but we're looking to Jesus.
0: You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Buran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, Visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, You can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.